Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. Oh, yes, you do. We've got a lovely night here in South Jersey. Gorgeous. A little fire crackling. A little fire, a little ash, a little drink. little word. USB microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call them. We love them so much. Hello, USB microphone. Hey there, buddy. You picking up everything okay? <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we are going to uh, try to tackle a very large topic in a very, very short amount of time. Not only is it short, but it's also without notes. Yes, we're also going to try that. Uh, we're, you know, when, sometimes when we do the old on location uh, podcasts, uh, the technology is a little harder to access. So we're going to, uh, you know, we're we're generally free form. We flow with this show. We let the spirit lead sometimes and. I think uh, as long as the spirit leads, we do tend to have good outcomes, and when he doesn't, you know it's us, and that we're just broken sinners. Hey, there it is. And, flow uh, with the show. I like that a lot. Flow with the show. Got another t-shirt idea? No. Oh. <laughs> we're doing too much rhyming. We've got to stop. <laughs> All right. Tonight we wanted to talk about the doctrine of lesser magistrates, but we wanted to come at it by the back door um, of what's happening, something in the... What? That's something that's happening in the culture. So in the culture, uh, we had a little, well, we had, a, we had a, was a little example um, of of the the doctrine of lesser magistrates. Perhaps not not specifically uh, applied from a Protestant view, but but certainly in application uh, in its in the way it was carried out. Uh, and that that small that small picture comes from the the state, one of the states that's over there in the center. Of, uh, of America, that would be Arkansas. I thought it was Arkansas. Because mm. that Congress is getting Arkansas. Sassy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, man, the jokes flow. <clears throat> Just like the show. Just like the show. No, no, no. We will not make a shirt. Oh. All right. <laughs> That's the rhyme from earlier. I know. I was trying to think of something. Oh, uh, you're too fast. I can't do I'm it. Sorry. Um, the state. <clears throat> the state legislature of Arkansas actually overrode a the Arkansas governor's veto of uh, a law that a bill it had passed. We're talking about a veto on the show. We're talking about a veto on the flow show. <laughs> flow show. Oh man, it's got to end at some point. So, the uh, the state of Arkansas <clears throat> had the I believe it began in the House. It had been proposed, and in the in the state House. Uh, of Arkansas, they had proposed a bill to uh, limit uh, many um, what some would call chemical castration, what others would call um, uh, hormone blockers and hormone therapy for any for transgendered youths. Uh, so the bill was specifically aimed at those that were younger. So these were children, and it was specifically it was more so targeted um, because. Because actual medical surgeries, medical transition surgeries, are 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 non-existent in Arkansas, um, but but the chemical um, medical applications are present, and so it was specifically targeted um, at, at those particular um, interventions. We'll mm. call them. Um, and what the bill what the bill does is plainly um, is plainly call those particular medications out when they're used in the application of children um, as experimentation on children. Right. Which is what it is. Let's be honest. <clears throat> yeah, you know, one of the warnings um, for for giving um, adult males um, estrogen is uh, that it causes cancer. So... Oh. Yeah, it's not good. Oh. Yeah, we, I feel like... Okay. Yeah. Might, have, might want some longitudinal studies there on the kids. I think might be good. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, you don't want them on the kids. I mean, you don't want to use the kids as the study. That's... Yeah, my, as I understand it, they, they have everything measured out in, in mice, so... Oh. Yeah. This many kids, this long, this much this much in this mouse for this length of time would equal a child for 10 years. Right, right, right. Because apparently they don't care about mice. Huh. I don't know. Anyway, the bill itself was aimed at stopping this, what they were calling experimentation on children. Now, um, speaking as a biblical Christian, I'm going to go ahead and say, 
uh, yes and amen. Right. Um, we do not let children decide what they're going to eat for dinner. We do not let children decide what they'd like to wear outside in the wintertime. Um, we do not let children decide when uh, they should be crossing the street. We actually have to instruct and teach children all these things. And as you can see, if you go to a college campus, you will have to instruct them for a very long time <laughs> before the wisdom actually sinks in. Yes. And so I believe the point that you're getting at is children should not be given these things that are life-altering, very more than likely detrimental. They are. They just are detrimental insofar as what we know about them. And the reality is, is that, I mean, you, you and I, we've looked at these studies before where, <clears throat> where I think it's like, what, 85 up to 95% of kids who are identifying with this gender dysphoria actually normalize over time. Yes, to their biological with, gender. Without intervention. I, I don't remember, the, I don't, I don't want to directly say that was the exact percentage. I think it was more like 75%, but I could be wrong. It's a huge percentage of the small percentage of people that identify with gender dysphoria. Minuscule. Yes. So it's a very small number of people, and then a very large per, large percentage of the very small number actually normalize to their biological gender as they grow. Yes. The and, and, and in saying that, one of the other detriments is that whether you have um, hormone, uh, the hormonal replacement therapy or even the uh, actual physical surgeries, um, what doesn't change is uh, that suicide is very prevalent in this particular populace, population. Um, and and once, you, once you begin the, the hormone therapies, um, once you begin to chemically neuter, once you begin to uh, move even towards those physical change, changes that, that, that we would fight against the biological gender, um, you, you remove that 75% um, normalization rate and you pretty much lock in that human being into the much higher suicidal rate. Why would right. you? I don't even know why you would consider that to be a wise move. That's not a win. I just want, just in case you're not following, the the too long didn't read version is that's not a win. Now, right. e even the article itself mentions yes. how minuscule. It says that this would affect 200 children in Arkansas. That's. Of the three million people that live in Arkansas, that is point zero 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 six percent percent of the population. It's a very small percentage of the population in Arkansas, right? And you know, you know what that percentage is? Um, that percentage is going to be smaller if they commit well, suicide well, because they've been. Yes, I mean obviously, but <laughs> I would say that that's also that's just that's too many people. Uh, that percentage of the population being put through this is too many people. Those those two hundred children. That's too many children, right? Um, and and if that child, look, uh, our country um, is founded on individual liberty. Now it's that's eroding because we like to put everybody into group identity and group think. But that's fine. That's different. Different. That's not fine. But it's a different podcast. If that if if they want to allow adults to make adult decisions that can affect them permanently. For the entirety of their life, fine. Fine. Adults make decisions all the time. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are very bad. Like allowing your child to be mutilated for the rest of their life. But me, but me allowing my, my oldest son, who would never wear anything besides shorts and short sleeves, to play in the snow in shorts and short sleeves because he gets hot, is a foolish, foolish idea. Bad parent. Bad. Yeah. So I, I won't do that. I'd rather have a, a beautiful, sweaty son than have one that is that outexposed himself to hypothermia and limb loss. You unwrap him, and he is like a butterfly <laughs> emerging from its chrysalis, <laughs> dripping with oh, whatever gosh. that oh, oh, no. nasty stuff no, is no. that it is enveloped in. Let me steer us back here. <laughs> <laughs> the point of this was not to talk about transgender. is beautiful. The point of this God made it. was to was to talk about the doctrine of lesser magistrates, and we've gotten a bit off topic. No, we've, well, laid, the, we've laid the groundwork. We've laid the groundwork for the, the bill and for the reasoning behind the bill. Now, what happened was, let me explain this to you. This is how, just just in many ways, how our national government works. Many states are set up similarly to function in that way, where they have a governor and they have a state house and a state senate. So, in this case, 
I don't know if you've ever seen the Schoolhouse Rock on what happens to a bill. That poor, poor bill. Well, what happens to the bill is it begins in <laughs> I feel one like of the, the bill should have been chambers, covered in bruises and cuts. <laughs> one of the chambers of legislature. Bleeding. Most often the House. The House is what originates the bill. The bill then goes from the House to the Senate. Uh, the Senate then votes on the bill. If both the House and the Senate pass the bill, okay, it moves to the governor's desk. This is exactly what happened with this bill. An overwhelming majority in the House passed the bill. An overwhelming majority in the Senate passed the bill. It goes to the governor's desk. Now, this is Governor Asa Hutchinson, I believe. I don't have it right in front of me. It's hard to keep all the governor's names in, in, my, in my brain. Uh, yes, you're right. Oh, governor snap! Governor Asa Hutchinson, good job. Oh, snap. All right, Governor Asa Hutchinson. Two life points for you. Then, yay! I'm a level three lifer. So anyway, Asa Hutchinson then vetoes the bill. Uh, he vetoes the bill um, and sends it back to the state house, where it is then, which only re- then requires still, according to Arkansas state law, a 50% majority to pass the bill. It's then overwhelmingly passed, sent to the Senate again, where it only requires a 50% majority to vote on it. Again, overwhelmingly passed and now becomes law. It's, uh, it, I think it goes into effect in about three months, 90 days. Uh, so that puts it into the summer. Obviously, this is being promised to be legislated against. But what you have here is the governor, the largest magistrate of the state of Arkansas. Does that offend them? Arkansas. I'll just say Arkansas. I don't even know anybody. It's just I, a joke. I don't even know anybody from Is it your Kansas? Arkansas to go well, it's our Kansas. It's not my Kansas or your Kansas. It's our Kansas. <laughs> Arkansas, right? The governor of Arkansas vetoes the bill. It's then sent back down. Now, the reason these are lesser magistrates is because the, the the top magistrate in the state is the governor. Below the magistrates, lesser magistrates, would then be those in the state house and the state senate. Now, this is because the governor oversees the entirety of the state, but the state house representatives only handle, just like our house of representatives nationally do, a much smaller territory. Their constituent base is much closer to them. Similarly, the state senators also oversee, although larger areas than the state house, they still are much closer to those whom they represent than the governor himself. And so these lesser magistrates stood up against the veto of their governor because they are actually influenced by those constituents whom elect them. And so the constituents, the people themselves, actually influenced the lesser magistrates. So that the lesser magistrates voted <clears throat> in accordance and against their overruling and overarching magistrate. Have I made sense so far? Yes. Oh wow, that's a that's a positively that's positively joyous. Yes. Now, <clears throat> one of the things mentioned in the article is that um, it's overriding the peoples of Arkansas's wishes to have this body of legislation passed. Now, when they say that, it's ironic, because when they say that, they don't understand how the government actually works, because, just like you described, the House, and particularly or particularly the House... Mm-hmm. The State House, yes. ...is... is what is most representative of the will of the people because it is based on districts and population and, and this and that and the other thing. And and so when you which is which is why these are the people that put forth the laws and or put forth the legislation to begin with. They're, because the way that our government is set up is so that the people elect representatives to represent what their wishes are. That's that's what the government is there to set up. So it's interesting that the votes are so one-sided, and yet the American Civil Liberties Union, which cares nothing about civil liberties, says it's against the will of the people. Well, the will of the people elected these people, and the House voted 71 to 24 to override the veto, and the Senate voted 25 to 8. This isn't like a close call yes and and if they were actually again this all works based on constituents if those those elected officials were voting counter to their constituents will they be voted for again no no their whole their whole job is to vote in the way their constituents want them to vote 
if they don't vote that way, the constituents find someone else who will vote that way for them. I, I will say this. The constituents shouldn't continue to vote for the people who are voting against their best interest. In our state, however... Well, you have to remember, <laughs> our state's made up of two states. <laughs> That's true. It's made up of the state down here and the state up there. Mm. Now, we are we welcome all into New Jersey that are New Jersey's, New Jerseyans. <laughs> um, but we definitely have two very, very stark philosophies. <laughs> um, from, from the geocentric north to the geocentric south. And let's just face it, we're not a very big state. Uh, but we are... We are influenced very differently. <laughs> well, we have a very dense population. We do have a very dense population. Anyway. You know what the majority of the population happens to be is in the north. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. And so we'll keep electing Bob Menendez. Gosh dang it. God, no, Cory Booker, as if that got any better. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mr. Potato. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Caperna Spartacus. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point of this is to go is to focus on the doctor of lesser magistrates. I'm not going to get distracted. And so the 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 exciting point I want to pull on here is the Protestant faith needs to come back to its understanding of this doctrine of lesser magistrates. And I keep saying this doctrine as if it's well known, but sadly it is not. And on our Carpe Fide podcast, I put out a little video earlier this week briefly touching on the doctrine of lesser magistrates. In fact, briefly touching on what has happened to our, our country as well, and, and particularly the church. We have gotten really lethargic in the church. And I, I, I described it as, as we, are, we are fat sheep under the rule of fat under shepherds, right? Yep. And, and fat sheep with fat, lazy shepherds get eaten. That's, that's what happens. And the church, the church is most certainly finding itself dangerously close to being consumed. <clears throat> well, halfway down the throat, so to speak. <clears throat> well, we're here to push that gag reflex. That's what we're here, we're here yep. to do. That's what we're here to do tonight. We're going to kick some uvulas. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That, that's digress. That, this analogy is going to digress too far. Too far. Um, so I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> on the Carpe Fide, Carpe Fide Instagram and Facebook. Also this week, I mentioned two great resources. We're going to briefly touch on um, the best part about these resources is they are not tomes. They are very accessible. They are not long resources. All right. Um, the the first resource that we're going to be touching on tonight uh, is the Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. Written, aptly named. Aptly named. Written by Matthew J. Trowella. Trowella? Trowella. Like Trowella the Ville? Yeah. The Ville? Yep. And at one point, someday, someday, he's going to email me and tell me if I mentioned his name correctly. And one that's day. the day that we know that we made it. <laughs> you can you you can, uh, you can find access to both of these resources, by the way, if you go to uh, the website that Matthew J. Trowella actually um uh, helps to run, which is defytyrants.com. Very simple. We like the title, defytyrants.com. Um, that's appropriate. Somebody somebody once said that um, disobedience to tyrants is obedience to God. Mm. Somebody once said that. Mm. Sometimes attributed to Thomas Jefferson, and sometimes people say, no, it's older than that. And then you argue about something that really misses the point that the truth of the statement is important. Right. <laughs> Um, the other resource we'll talk about today um, is actually something that the book that Matthew J. Truella wrote, um, and that's called the Magdeburg Confession. The Magdeburg Confession, uh, which is actually originally, it's about 500 years old, was originally written um, in German and Latin, um, but has been translated uh, by Matthew Colvin so that we can actually read it in English, which is excellent because we need it. Uh, it's a very appropriate time for it to be easily available to us in English. Uh, we need what this confession actually says. And I feel like I'm doing all the talking. I don't want to take that from you, Jesse. Nope, you're doing great. You have a you have a wonderful article up that I think you could probably concisely sum up what we would call the doctrine of the lesser lesser magistrate. Would you like to attempt to sum sum up, uh, do a little sum up? Uh, sure. So, 
uh, as Justin said, um, this doctrine was formalized in Magdeburg, Germany, um, in the year 1550, and that's the confession that Justin was just referencing, link in the show notes, um, and basically, uh, it's the idea that um, it, this article attributes it to the Christian doctrine of interposition, which is where one steps into the gap, placing themselves between the oppressor and his intended victim. So, <clears throat> basically, it's the idea that, um, and, and our government is actually set up this way, on purpose, um, founded on Christian doctrine, uh, again, gosh dang it, I, I hate, never mind, anyway. Don't do that. I'm not doing it. Don't do that. I'm not doing it. I'm reading so many books about that right now, you're right, but don't do it. Right. So, when you think of, uh, when you think of federalism, right, which is the system of government that we have, we have a federalist type of government in its structure, meaning that our government is split into different parts. No one branch has complete authority. And the idea is that when one branch begins to take over or take more control or amass power for itself, the other branches of government step in and actually cut that off. And what this necessitates or, or what this needs as its foundation is a moral people, a moral people to know when the government is overstepping its bounds so that they know when these other magistrates need to step in. And so... Uh, that also is the immortal words of John Adams, who said that the Constitution of the United States was written for a moral people. Right. Um, and so... Um, and, and all of this has to do with tyranny, right? So when one branch becomes uh, tyrannical, um, the other branches can and should step in to curtail it. So... Um, it's, it's the idea that, that there is a hierarchy of authority, um, starting with and founded upon God and his authority over all things. Um, and then there's, you know, self-government, family government, church government, civil government. Um, they, they all function in different spheres, um, sometimes overlapping, but regardless, it is the, the doctrine of lesser magistrates would say that if a magistrate above you, if an authority above you, um, decrees something against against what is good and right and godly you must step in to cut that off and disobey and this goes back or rather disobey that authority because it is ungodly you would rather obey god yes this goes back to peter and john uh before before the uh, sanhedrin right would you rather we yep. obey god or man right uh we we must instead obey god that's the reality of, of the core of the interposition and, and this doctrine itself. And all the we, Canadian churches raised their hands and said, Open your churches. God. Oh. <laughs> I thought it said open. Well, you, you said, would we, should we rather obey God? Yes, oh, no, God, yes. Yes, we, exactly. we, we obey God. And not all well, the Canadian, not, not not all all the Canadian, Canadian churches. churches. Just the good ones. But well, we stand with the ones that <laughs> Just do. Just the good ones. Uh, this is this is summed up very well uh, very early on in said book, Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. Um, where he cites the Roman Emperor Trajan, who was appointing a subordinate authority, authority and handed him a sword and said this, Use this sword against my enemies if I give righteous commands. But if I give unrighteous commands, use it against me. Ooh. Which is exactly the doctrine of lesser magistrates. Yep. Um, now, the, the, real, the real question is, how does a Christian oh. then interact with this doctrine? Oh. Because every doctrine is great. Doctrine means truth. This is the truth. But the question then becomes, how do Christians interact with that truth? And I think maybe understanding uh, the, his, the, the layout of the Magdeburg Confession would be helpful. Okay. So um, when, we, when we think... I'm ready. Right, when, we fee- when we think Great Reformation, right? Who's the one guy you run back to? The first guy. Martin Luther. That's right. You think of Martin Luther, right? Um, Martin Luther, uh, let's, let me think, let's see if I can, I'm the great I'm, South now African. Again, I'm going without notes here. So usually I would make sure I'm not going to mess up, but if I messed up, you're just going to, you're just going to all politely correct me. Um, but I believe he was under Emperor Charles the fifth. I really feel like I should double check myself on that, but I'm pretty sure he was under Emperor Charles the fifth, um, who was, who was trying to install Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic, Catholic. I can't speak words. <laughs> words are Romanian so Catholicisms, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually stamp out Protestant Protestantism. All right, this is where the big the big conflict comes in for for Mar- for Martin Luther. Now, in doing that, 
a lesser magistrate actually steps in, okay? This Dr. Lesser Magistrate steps, he actually steps in even on behalf of Martin Luther. And I believe his name was, and I'm actually turned to the appropriate page to give you some history. Uh, his, his name was Prince Frederick. Now, Prince Frederick did all he could to protect Martin Luther. Now, Martin Luther was sent to that Diet of Worms, okay? Worms wasn't, it wasn't literally a diet of worms, okay? Rather, it was a meeting at the city of Worms in Germany, all right? Now, it doesn't, I don't think it's the same context that we have here in America. So, <laughs> in the city, um, Charles V had called for Martin Luther to have to defend his his theses that he had nailed to the door, his his core of what we would have called Ref Reformation theology, um, and at the at Worms he defends it. But Emperor Charles V finds his defense lacking, which he was going to find no matter what, um, and actually demands that he that Martin Luther be brought before him uh, to basically stand condemned of heresy against the Roman Catholic Church, which would have been basically is you read that as a death sentence. That's pretty much what that is, um, unless you recant. And Prince um, Frederick actually protects him and actually actually all the way up into feigning um, his abduction oh, wow. so that Martin Luther is, is spared. And that one act we know um, produced uh, a tremendous ripple effects yeah. all the way to, to the very day we live in right now. Praise um, God. So, yes, yes, and amen. God ain't going to let his church, God ain't going to let his church be stifled like that. Yes, it's almost as if he he might be sovereign, and I'm, I'm I don't know if I I don't want to overstep <laughs> overstate that. But it does seem like God might be sovereign in some way. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, but but that that puts us, I believe, in yes, that was like uh, twenty one. Uh, so you mentioned that the Magdeburg Confession came out in the, in in uh, fifteen um, fifty. Yes, uh, but fifteen twenty one is when you have the Diet of Worms. I hope I'm saying that right. I hope I'm getting getting that date right. Uh, so then, in 1548, so now 27 years later, uh, he, Charles V imposes the Augsburg Interim, and that was really to bring all, um, all, I'm losing it, Protestant churches under Roman Catholic rule. All right, so that was what he was going for uh, in in 1548, and and what what basically happened was. Every lesser magistrate um, fell in line everywhere in Germany except one city. One city in Germany, the lesser magistrates defended the right of Protestant churches to continue their worship. That city was Magdeburg. Hmm. And so thusly, we have the Magdeburg Confession. Because the Protestants in that city wrote their confession down, their appeal, they laid their they laid their concrete reasoning out, and they laid their arguments out, so that they could know they could be able to give to their lesser magistrates the understanding that they would be not only good citizens but the best citizens that Charles V or those magistrates had, as long as they were able to live in righteousness. They would, they would, they would appropriately pay their taxes and their and their dues. They would appropriately serve as they as they were required. They would be living in righteousness, but they could not serve an unrighteous government, because to serve the unrighteous government would be to serve unrighteousness instead of God and His righteousness. And thusly, the Magdeburg Confession was born. 500 years ago and here we sit today in desperate need of its truth how's that how's that for a brief history lesson i'm just glad people write stuff down man. boy am i glad people write stuff down it's one of the reasons i have become i have become um thankful for you when you uh when you entreat our church with a lovely long prayer that you actually write it down <laughs> so that we can go back and actually reference it again well thank you absolutely you like you, you love the Puritans. You love reading them things. You love reading them long, them long prayers. I know you. I seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's all geeking out on uh, on all the fun images and stuff that he's seeing on the 
the fight tyrants page over there. I saw, <laughs> yeah, I saw him yeah, geeking out. He's oh, like, yeah. look at all these cool. Look at these guys. They got, they got memes and graphics. And you look at it all. Hundreds of these. It says when the federal government becomes tyrannical, the states must defy them. And I'm like putting eight in my cart and i i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna spend some money support some good work today yes we are <laughs> we have a memorial day parade coming up oh man anyway sticker everything <laughs> <laughs> all right all right we need to we need to keep moving forward i yes. apologize so that's your brief history lesson to get us all the way to, from the magdeburg confession to connecting us to the doctrine of lesser magistrates and how it was applied then but now we need to understand how we need to bring it in now. So we know, we know that throughout biblical history, righteous men have defied the ruling of the of the overarching magistrates. We also know that there are times when lesser magistrates step in in defense of those righteous men. So, for example, Daniel, Daniel himself. Oh. So you might you might you might find. You might find solace in this. If, if you read the story of Daniel, you'll, you'll realize that the king gave a temporary decree, um, not unlike we may have experienced several heaping on top of heaping temporary decrees in our own day. Oh, man. <clears throat> he gave a temporary decree that everyone for 30 days must only bow to him, that he would be the only God worshipped for that span of time. And immediately, Daniel goes to his house, Opens his window and prays. Yep. Now, the dude did not have to open his window to pray. He, he, he didn't have to do that. He also didn't have to make a big deal about it and pray loudly. But those things are what the scripture says he did. <laughs> and he did the thing that, they, that he knew they knew he did. Huh. So he purposefully defied the decree because the decree was in direct violation of his worship of God. It was an unrighteous decree. It was unrighteous from an unrighteous ruler. Which vetoes it That's oh, by divine oh, authority. Amen. Oh. Amen. That's truth. That's a truth bomb right there. Oh. So so there's just there's just one instance of a temporary decree being defied by uh, by a righteous man on purpose. Okay? This is not this wasn't kind of sort of this was on purpose. Maybe you also are aware of uh, of Daniel's uh, three acquaintances, um, Shadrach and Benny. Just kidding, Phil Vischer. You get no love here. R- Rack, <laughs> Rack, Rack, and Benny. <laughs> That's it. Dang it, Rack, Shack and Benny. <laughs> no love, Phil Vischer. No love. <laughs> you and your soft cartoons. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me let me read to you the words, okay? That were sent that were sent back from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. To King Nebuchadnezzar, after King Nebuchadnezzar says, you must bow to the statue or you will face the furnace. Here's what they say. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that, if that is the case, the throwing into the furnace, then our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Oh. Some big old bronze ones there. Oh, no. <laughs> See, they, they knew. It's almost like they knew what God said about idols. The people that make them become like them. Why would I worship that? Hmm. I mean, that's just... We need some of that courage. We need some of that courage. We need some. We need some fat shepherds to hit the gym with those words. Mm-hmm. That was Daniel three sixteen through eighteen. In case you wanted to go back and freshen up on that one there, um, <laughs> and I recommend you go back and freshen up on that one there because we need those words. We need that word mm-hmm. right there. Um, and this is obviously not the only one, right? From the beginning to the end, the very last book of the Bible is written by a guy who would not renounce his faith. Oh, he was being boiled alive in oil. And it turns out that didn't kill him. So what do they do? They exile him. They exile him to the Isle of Patmos, where he basically gets to evangelize 24-7 to the guards on the aisle with him, right? Well, also, I'll be giving divine inspiration to write down the final book of the Bible, the canon that we have today. That would be John, okay? The defiance of, re- of righteous men in the face of unrighteous rulers has been a quintessential cornerstone 
of God's people because we serve God. Now, it has been outlined by us already and by many other pastors why the church gathering is so important and why the physical assembly is actually what the church gathering is, right? Not online church. Internet church is not church. No. Um, yes. Correct. And amen. So, so we've already spoken about why and what the church is and what the church is to do and why you need to actually be present physically to do so. So when the church, when the unrighteous rulers tell you, I'm sorry, church, you're going to have to shut down for 30 days. You're going to have to pull back and follow our guidelines for 30 days. The church says, I'm so sorry, you're not God. Yep. And since you're not God, what we're going to go ahead and do is obey God rather than man. Yep. We're not dumb. If you're running a fever, stay home. But that's what you should have been doing all along anyway. This is not a surprise. This is nothing new. If you can't taste or smell, don't come to church, please. And for those instances, a temporary online service might be great to at least catch up on what the Word is being taught on in the church that week. However, that does not mean you have actually attended church in the format that actually church is to be attended. Right. Oh, no. Am I going off? Am I getting too far away here? No, no. All right. No, no. All right. It's, You'll reel me in if I'm it getting is, too no, far away. No, it's, it's, it's a pressing issue. It's a pressing issue that the church needs to stand on. It, it needs to stand against these things. And, and the more that our current federal administration wants to cram down issues of issues of quote-unquote gender equality but they can't define gender uh issues of the sanctity of abortion but they can't define life you know the church needs to stand up and say absolutely not i'm not offering that in my health care to the staff at my church absolutely not i'm going to allow these people to serve in leadership in my church that's not how god calls his church to run stay in your lane amen stay in your lane i'll go to jail over it i don't care i don't care it's funny this this, this sounds unrelated but it's not right so so, you know, like, people people jumping ship from Facebook and everything, you know, they're, they're checking out Gab, right? So, Gab is a free speech platform run by what seems to be a, a, a staunchly Christian, at least in some sense, man. And, and you know, there's there's bad the people. The Torbs. There's the Torbinator. The Torbinator. <laughs> and, you know what? There's people saying really bad things on Gab. And, you know what? Because he believes in free speech, they're allowed to say those things. And, you know, people, people say, oh my gosh, there's, there's neo-Nazis and there's, there's Jew haters and there's, you know, nationalists on there. And it's like, well, you know, uh, yeah, but there's all kinds of bad people on Facebook. So it's just a different audience to witness to. And don't even get me started about the pedophilia all over Twitter. Oh. Don't even get me started on that. Oh. Yeah, get the heck out of here. Go take your pirate beard somewhere else. Right. There's, Dorsey. There's bad people everywhere. Just what? wanted everybody to know that. You just whispered that just like the sixth just like the sixth sense. <laughs> I see bad people. <laughs> right. And they're everywhere. They're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, they're on MeWe, they're on Gab. They they're in on... the Senate, they're in the House, they're yeah. in the Oval <laughs> Office, they're Oh. oh. They're in the pulpits. Oh. They're in the congregants. They're in the pews. They're in... everywhere. And so what that means that we have to do, guys, right? Is we gotta know our Bibles. We have to know our Bibles. We have to know what we are supposed to do. Because the Bible does not leave us ill-equipped to handle these complex issues. It is sufficient for all things that we face in this life. Like I said earlier, God doesn't leave his church floundering, trying to figure out what we should do. He's clearly prescribed that we are to meet, and there's a bajillion good reasons as to why we are to do that. You know one of the things it commands you to do? Come together and sing. Hmm. What was one of the first things that they said you can't do? Sing. Come together and sing! Gosh darn it. Oh it, my gosh, you can't make this stuff up, guys. It's, it's, if, I, I was talking front, I was talking with, I was talking with a dear Christian friend uh, in Canada, in the lockdowns up there, being litigated, for their church being opened. And they said that if you don't think that these lockdowns coming from their for coming from their government ha, are, are have anything to do with the spiritual realm, you are sadly mistaken. All of these lockdowns have happened around distinctly Christian holidays. And at this point, year over year, distinctly yes. Christian holidays. Yes, specifically in Canada, around distinctly Christian holidays, mm-hmm. year over year now. And 
and crushing the church's quote-unquote ability to meet. Ontario right now, currently, meaning any church tomorrow that has more than 10 people in it is breaking those guidelines and those guidances and they will be they will have the hammer befall them if if their lesser magistrates don't step in and and protect them protect their liberties um and and so we have to know we we've been doing this and to bring it into the pandemic we've been doing this pandemic long enough to, we should be able to recognize things that are arbitrary and things that are not. Okay? For instance, is, is, it, is it okay if I, if I get super local here? Or are you okay with it? Are you, are you going to... Well, maybe you'll go where I think you're going to go. I, I... Yeah, do it. Just do it. I'm, For instance. <laughs> this is the Carpe Fide podcast, okay? <laughs> no affiliations. <laughs> <clears throat> I will gladly give up my paycheck. Uh <laughs> um, so, it, our, the, the town in which we minister, uh, we're having a Memorial Day parade. We don't get paid, just in case that wasn't clear. <laughs> no one gets paid. Okay. <laughs> you didn't have to tell them when they expect money, and we have none. Oh. <laughs> the joke's on them. Oh. <laughs> You've ruined the surprise. Oh, man. Um, so, th- they have said that at this parade, which is completely outdoors in the beautiful month of May... That everyone is required to wear masks. Oftentimes, either incredibly hot and sweaty, mm-hmm. um, or, or or a little rainy, which is still humid and sweaty. <laughs> yeah. And and they are requiring the people who participate in the parade to wear masks. And to be clear, this virus doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know what else is one of the most funnest part? One of the funnest funnest is not a thing. One of the most fun things that is at a parade that you get to do. You get to hand out like candy and other fun things at a parade, mm-hmm. and it's always so fun to do that, right? Uh, not so much. No, not this year. Not so much. Nope. No interaction. Don't you? Don't you? How dare you want to give the wonderful children that have come out to remember those who gave their lives? By the way, you had a forty percent chance of death when you stormed the beaches of Normandy as an American, and you volunteered for it. You Ooh. signed up voluntarily, Ooh. and it's Memorial Day. Well, you had a forty percent chance to storm the beaches of Normandy as an American of death. You know what else? Oh, here's another fun fact: you had you were you were um, point two. I mean, I mean, I just did the math today, so now I'm going off my memory. This is what happens. I don't have a computer screen in front of me to be clear on my my estimations. You had a point zero two. Six percent chance of dying as an American in any theater in World War Two, point zero two six. Do you know that that's significantly higher um, as far as a percentage is than your chance of dying from um, the coronavirus? Whoa! Did you know that? Whoa! So, and and let's remember, this is World War Two. This isn't our Mamby Pamby. I can't handle it. I need to save space generation. This is the sign me up. I want to go. You're only sixteen. Let I will go to another. Evil. I will go to another draft station if you don't sign me up right now. You're cross-eyed. Send me to help my friends and family and those that are being subjugated. That was that. Ge- that's what that generation did. They volunteered to go over into a much more hostile situation on which the holiday, the Memorial Day, is created to remember those who fell. Right, and we can't. We can't walk outside without a mask. And so, and so, what we're saying is, is that we have to be able to recognize when these guidelines are arbitrary. This isn't about science; it's about subjugation. It's about making a clear line of authority and placing us as citizens underneath of it. Because wearing a mask outside does nothing but decrease your own personal health. It does nothing to stop the spread of the virus outside. It doesn't spread outside in the summertime like that. It just doesn't. Doesn't the flu usually have like a season where they end the count and then they begin the next flu season and the next flu cycle? Have we, have we, uh, re- what, did we reset the, the old case clock? Have we? In I the, mean, Governor Murphy hasn't. No. Governor Murphy certainly hasn't. Haven't we said that, have we? Nope. In fact, he's re-upped it every 30 days. So let, 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 all right. 
let me pull but, back. Let me can I so, go? You, you have just to, point? To, Keep to, going. No, no, no. Just to finalize that point, the reason that I went there, and then we went on another tangent. The reason that I went there is because we have to recognize these certain things as arbitrary. These are just signs. It's not about science because if it were about science, we wouldn't be having to wear masks outside. It's not about science. It's simply a it's simply a symbol of government authority over you. And at that point, you have to say, I'm not going to do this. You have to say, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar? Um, you're not God. You're just not God. Mm-hmm. And and no, no, I do not have to muzzle myself because you require me to muzzle myself. Mm-hmm. So let me say something else. Let me. Can I draw this back? I want to, I want to draw this back to the Magnus Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm no, sorry. No, that's I, great. I apologize for that. You, you did this. I just want to point out, everyone on the podcast, anyone who's going to listen, including my beautiful wife who may listen later, Jesse did that. That was all Jesse. I, I, he got me heated, and I, I may have, I may have, you know, interjected a bit, but that was all Jesse. <laughs> so- <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll just say this: I'm, no holds barred. I have skin in the game. I work in an emergency department. I'm on the. I'm a healthcare hero. Okay, that lasted for about a month. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm on the front line. I'm not a bystander in this. I'm an active participant participant in treating the sick. And I'm saying that wearing by. Forcing people to wear a mask outside is doing nothing but making that mask an idol to worship. Uh-oh. And those who worship things made by human hands become like them. And that's all I, that's, that's all I have to say. So you started out on that point, um, originally pointing to the fact that this was much more of a spiritual battle. Um, so I wanted to go directly to the Magdeburg Confession, page 57, uh, where they outline their first argument from definition of three. They have three fi- formal arguments towards in the end here, after they've laid all the groundwork for their bases. They have three arguments. But I wanted to read a bit of the, just from the beginning of their first argument from definition. Here's what they say, drawing, and this, this draws us right into the spiritual conflict that it is. Here's what they say. And this is what they said 500 years ago. Technically, like, what, 460? I don't want to overstate it. They said the magistrate is an ordinance of God for honor to do good works and a terror to evil works, in which they cite Romans Romans 13. 13. Therefore, when he begins to be a terror to good works and honor to evil, there is no longer in him, because he does thus, the ordinance of God, but the ordinance of the devil. And he who resists such works does not resist the ordinance of God, but the ordinance of the devil. That'll preach. Yeah, that'll preach just fine, won't it? That's 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 the reality of standing up to authority overreach over top of the church to call the church away from what God has called the church to be. Now, now tying this, if I could, tying this all together, and there's there's a great much more to be said. Um, but I'm assuming a three-hour podcast isn't necessarily what you showed up for. This is not the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> Who do you think we are? <laughs> but to tie this together, you had this <clears throat> this case in Arkansas where you saw lesser magistrates overrule, right, by standing with their constituents, the 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 overarching magistrate. This this doctrine of lesser magistrates for the church must come from the church standing strong and preaching with conviction the true word of God to those that are in its immediate and direct contact in the magistrate realm. This means your mayors. This means your town council. This means your board of education. All right? This means this means your civic workers. This means your local police force. Okay? Postal workers? Postal workers count. Sure, why not? Y'all better watch out, though. Because <laughs> when it comes to the United Parcel Service in the Pittman-Glassboro area. <laughs> ain't, ain't no one better than the so, co-host of the Carpe Fide podcast. Yeah, and let me tell you, let me tell you, I like to take my, I like to take my sermons on the road, all right? I always like to give them a little test run in the culture before they ever hit the, ever hit the ear of the, of the church. <laughs> you keep that, you keep that Bob on that saddle when you're riding around on that brown horse. Big old brown Betsy. Filled up with them packages and parcels from you materialistic, worshipping, <laughs> selfish, disgusting, money-having, grubby, delivering your mattresses and your furniture and your Amazon and all your nonsense. You know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a COVID hero, too. I, I'm a COVID warrior. You are, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And my... my, my uh... God bless the United <laughs> Parcel. <laughs> I'm sorry. I actually found... <laughs> this is a great one. 
found a box of pins from 2020 in the office about two months ago that they were getting rid of that said, you're a UPS hero. 2020. <laughs> they, they had never handed them out because oh. at the end of the day, like we really didn't care. It would have been, it would have been something they're, to be like, oh giving, yeah, okay guys, thanks for the pin. They're giving pins to the wrong kind yeah. of people. Th- thanks for the pin, guys. <laughs> we're, we're, we're here to work, okay? You, we do work. Can I, can I just say one more joke before you? <laughs> Go ahead. Are you ready for this? Okay. I'm ready, I'm ready. They planned this. They planned this. 2020 was the year of the nurse. <laughs> It was the year of the nurse and the midwife. Who decided that? We're probably the same people that started the pandemic. But, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but I find that extremely ironic. They're like, "Oh, we got to start. We got to start hyping these guys up." <laughs> yeah, that's why twenty twenty the year of the nurse. Since we're totally going to screw them. <laughs> you get a pay cut, and you get a pay cut. You get hey, you get more sick people and less financial gain. Yay. That's not true. You could be a traveling nurse. I could be. Boy, do they make money. Anyway, what were you? What were, where were you going? I don't even remember. I wanted to tie it up with a spiritual end there. I Please. wanted to make sure that we understand that we are fighting a battle that is spiritual. Yeah. When we when we stand on the side of God's word and righteousness, and when we stand alongside those who are standing up to tyranny and righteousness, we are following the ordinance of God mm-hmm. over man. Yep. That is a spiritual battle. Right. Right? Because we know that we are not at war with flesh. And bone, we are at war with the forces of evil and the principalities of evil in high places. Yep. It is not. All right, I'm in New Jersey. All right, Governor Murphy is 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 broken man, but the way he rules in evil only advances the cause of evil. It it's to his detriment, even as a person. But it is not to the detriment of the causes of evil, the forces of evil, sin, Satan. They are at work in this world. They are. We're not ignorant of that. We're not fools that would ignore such things as if they were only fairy tale nightmare stories for children. No, they are real. They have they have an eternal identity there. They are tied to, to how God has created and began and is sovereign over all things, including evil. And so we stand against that here. We stand against that here now. That's, that's the reality of the situation. You can stand against the forces of evil by upholding and standing firm on the ordinances of God. The real problem is pastors have forgotten them and do not preach them. And so the church does not know them because they have not been challenged by them. Because the fat sheep and the fat shepherds both get eaten. It just may not be in the same order, but they both get eaten. Yep. <clears throat> Instead of, and the, what, what this should do, right, what this should do is because we've been taught to be afraid. We've been taught to be afraid. And but, be ruled by our emotions. And, and be ruled and so by our emotions. And be afraid. And, and, but what we need to do, and this all goes back, you have to know your Bible so that when you stand, you stand tall with a chest full of, <coughs> excuse me, with a chest full of divine inspiration to be able to stand tall with courage because you know that God is above all. And when you don't, when you don't, you are saying what you are communicating to the state is that you will obey them rather than God. We, we must consider this, Christian. We, we have to consider this. The stakes are high. When you bow to the state in its unjust decrees, you are declaring state as God. We mustn't do that. And we mustn't do that with great courage and conviction. Or else you will kneel before that bronze statue. Like all of the other Babylonians did. Babylonians? Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar? I'm sorry. Yes. King of Babylon. Thank you. Like all the other Babylonians, you're going to kneel before that golden statue instead of standing. With And many other Jews, many other Hebrews, bowed before the statue. That's the church, people. That's God's people. But God doesn't bless that. God doesn't bless idolatry. 
and that's why the stakes are so high. Justin, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring this back. This is just where we're at, though. We are getting messages from people all across the country who are saying, we're just two guys, but who are saying, thank you for doing this. This has, this has strengthened and encouraged me. My pa- I bought a shirt for my pastor. He's been standing faithful. He's getting weary. He's discouraged. Thank you for the work that you're doing. We are getting messages from Canadians saying, thank you for your support. This means the world. And that's God's church doing what God's church should be doing. And man, is it strong. That is strong. That, that is strength. Because let me tell you, as a small church pastor in New Jersey, California East, I can feel very alone sometimes in, in the way that I think about these issues, in the, way that, in the way that we practice these issues. I can feel very alone. But knowing that if the trajectory of our nation continues, there are pockets of people all over this country who are standing firm and who have committed to continuing to stand firm. And in that, we are not alone. But we must stand. We must stand. We should not let tyrants be tyrannical. That's not how God set up the government to work. Can I, and can I just say something? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm no, you're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're fine. You're fine. I, I'm just going to play on that. Okay. I don't even know how long we've gone this now. It's gone now. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we're not overwhelming you all. But I, I want to I say this. To, to allow a tyrant to remain in, in his tyranny is unloving. It, it's allowing a sinner to remain in his sin. And, and I just want to tell you, church, it, you, you're, you preach kindness as if kindness is, is void of its secondary effects. All right, it's it's foolishness the way the church handles kindness. All right, when God tells you to be kind, he's telling you to consider the whole of the person. He's not telling you to simply do what the person wants, to simply fulfill what the person's desires are. That is not not loving. Because you know what the desires of the heart are? Desperately wicked. Mm -hmm. Who could possibly know them? So let me tell you, church, if you want to be kind... If you want to be kind, you have to understand that sometimes a drug addict needs to get rid of the drugs. You know what they want? The drugs. You know what you need to get rid of? The drugs. Because they are harming themselves. You need to love them more than what the person desires. A tyrant wants power. A tyrant wants to be tyrannical. You have to inform them that their tyranny is in direct violation of God. That is loving them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we're at like 57 minutes. I have a great way to end this. You want to end this in a great way? Uh, sure. I had a way that I was thinking I would end it. Well, you go, do your way first. I, I just wanted to end with this with this encouraging encouraging post. Uh, yeah, this is good. You do Andrew, your encouraging post, and then I'll end. I got, and then I will end this as the Magda Bird confession ends. I okay. love it. All right. So, uh, Aaron Aaron Rock uh, shared this. He says. Uh, on Romans 13. Who's Aaron Rock? Aaron Rock, he's the, he's the pastor of uh, Harvest Bible in Church in Windsor, yes. Ontario. Um, so if his church has more than 10 people in it tomorrow, they're, break, they're breaking whatever unjust law their magistrate sees fit. And so let me tell you this, American church that might hear this, get on your knees and pray. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. He said this. And this goes just just like what we were saying earlier, right? We we listed the faithful men throughout the scriptures that have stood against and defied their higher magistrates. He says if Roman if the early Christians throughout Romans thir- thought Romans thirteen meant obey governing authorities in everything, why did they meet secretly in homes and in catacombs? Hmm, that's curious. And the reason they met in homes and catacombs is that's not what Romans 13 means. That's not even... Wait, wait, wait. You ready for this? It's not even what it says. <laughs> it's, it's not what it says at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, well, uh, let, let, I, think, I think going out this way is, is probably very appropriate. Um, this, is, this is exactly how the Magdeburg Confession ends. Okay. It ends in the quoting of Psalm 20, 93. Psalm 93. Psalm 93 says this. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with glory. The Lord has clothed himself and girded himself with strength. 
He has even established the world, which shall not be moved. Your throne is prepared from of old. You are from eternity. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their waves by the voice of many waters. The lifting up of the sea is marvelous. The Lord is marvelous on the deep. Your testimonies have been made very trustworthy. Lord, your holiness adorns your house for all length of days. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. So church, we, we got we to gotta get on the treadmill here, people. We got to lose some of this fat. We got to stand tall in our pulpits, stand tall in our churches. We got to be lean sheep. We got to be able to bob and zig. We got to be able to zig and zag around the wolves. We got to be able to know the truth and give it clearly, express it strongly, and stand firm in it. And as always, we got to seize, seize the faith. faith.